Uh, next week we have our mission conference. I want to encourage everybody that's a member at Redeemer to participate in that. Begins on Friday night. We'll have a meal here. And then there'll be breakfast on Saturday morning at the various houses that are noted there. And uh, then Dan Rogers, who was a member of Redeemer, and God called him in the ministry, one of the many men that God has called. And I think God is uh, calling uh, Alex. Would you all agree with that? So, Alex, you've already had your outward call to go along with your inward call. Uh, Dan will be speaking to us. And uh, Dan's a great big teddy bear of a guy. played football here at Georgia. So I think you'd love to hear uh, Dan uh, come and, uh, and, and speak next week. Now, here's what we're going to do the week after that. The week after that, John and I, through the spring, will be looking at the book of Numbers. And the reason that we want to do that has a lot to do, really, with what Alex shared with us. Here's our brother. He's a member of the body of Christ, this particular church. And God bless uh, local visible churches that are faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we will dance together and we will mourn together. Because we're not there yet. And so the book of Numbers is exactly that. The children of Israel are delivered from bondage and uh, they're put in tribes and everybody's accounted for. And off we go together between the already and the not yet. The kingdom of God has come and yet not yet until that day. And what I was going to preach on today was 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 to talk about the effective church. It's a great, great passage. So you can go home and read it, 10 verses. But I had several people that asked me, would you kind of complete uh, the, the sermon uh, on the armor of God? And so I have about 15 or 20 minutes to uh, address this. That uh, I actually read a whole book this week by Martin Lloyd-Jones preparing. So there have been books, uh, books with 800 pages about the subject. So 20 minutes, we'll knock it out, no problem. So if you would, turn with me uh, to uh, Ephesians. If uh, We always print it in our bulletin. And if you're visiting, the reason we put it in the bulletin, these are the very words of God, the inerrant word of God. So that's why it's always there. So if you would read with me. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darks of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication For all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your word as attested to 
to Alex's own comfort. Lord, we need to know your word because in your word is the gospel. It is the good news. The only good news among men. For in the good news we discover not advice, but news of what the Almighty God has accomplished for us 2,000 years ago in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we pray this morning for those who have never heard the music of the gospel, know the words, know the lyrics, but have never heard the music. Lord, would you sing to them this morning by your Spirit as we talk about this important subject that there is a real enemy who would block our ears and blind our eyes. And so, Lord, we ask for your presence this morning, and we ask it in your name. Amen. I know it is not Mother's Day, but if it were not for our mothers, we would not have survived to adulthood. Would we all agree with that? Uh, Mary Beth got to where she was a little creepy about leaving the kids with me. Uh, She would come home, and they'd be up in trees and out in the neighborhood. Where's Robert? I don't know. He's in the creek playing, I guess, but... And if we all compared notes, we would all uh, have uh, certain phrases that we've heard our mothers uh, say so that we could survive to adulthood. <clears throat> you need to eat your vegetables, right? Too much candy will rotten your teeth out. And the one that certainly saved me, uh, my own personal demise, is when she would warn me that if you do not behave, I will call your father. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And, of course, when you wanted to go to school or go out to play, there was the, uh, there was the clothing issue, right? There were the articles of clothes. Well, where's your, where's your coat? Where's your hat? Uh, it's uh, much too cold. Uh, you'll, you'll catch a cold. And then, of course, uh, during the summertime uh, when, you know, you, you, at least when I was a kid growing up, you sneak out, you go play uh, barefooted, and, of course, your mother would be there and she'd ask you where your shoes are, where are your clothes Well, our text uh, addresses the importance of being clothed, but not with wool coats and tennis shoes, but with a coat of armor and and shoes shed uh, with the gospel. And the reason that we are exhorted by the Apostle Paul to do this is because we need to be ready for the day of evil so that we might stand. You heard Alex. He finds out that this is not just a knot in his wrist, but it's a tumor. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the forces of hell are marshaled against him to create all kind of doubts in his mind. We know those days if you're a believer. And those schemes of the devil, and he's always scheming, he's always trying to find that angle, even for the most seasoned and veteran of believers. He's scheming against you to destroy your faith, to make you ineffective for the kingdom of God, not to move forward, but to move backwards and to even flee. And so it's important that we have at least some understanding of what this armor is, and trust me, some of you are completely unprotected. Some of you are not strong in the might of the Lord because you don't know the Lord. 
and you're deceived. You think that you're intellectually capable. You think that you can understand this world and, and things that are going on out there when the reality is that reason can never penetrate the ultimate issues of life. And so you need to listen. Now, there are three things to see in our text, and obviously I'll have to be brief with each one of them. But we, the one we talked about last week is, is this. You're in a fight. Whether you know it or not, you're in a fight. And if you don't know you're in a fight, you are just in the pod. You're, you're in the program, ready for judgment, unawares. But then we need to see that we must be armed for the fight. What has God given us who are believers in Jesus Christ to be prepared for that particular evil day when these things will come? And friends, they will come because no one in this room will not experience death unless Christ comes back. All of us. And one of the ways that we know that we're just a little bit Uh, doped up is we don't think about these things. The passage that we were going to look at in in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 in verse 10, it talks about believers. And the reason they were effective is that they were waiting upon the Lord Jesus Christ who will deliver us from the coming wrath. And Satan doesn't want you to understand that. And then finally, what is necessary for our armor if it is to be used properly and to be used successfully. The first thing to see in our text is this, that we are in a fight. Uh, Verse 11 and verse uh, 12 tell us this, that we are to put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the devil's schemes for our struggles are not against the flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of the air. We're in a fight. Now let me tell you one thing I've learned to appreciate about the Scriptures. I've been studying the Scriptures since I've been a believer. And if you're not interested in the Scriptures, I can tell you uh, that's a sign that you're probably not born of the Spirit of God because when you enter into the kingdom of God and all realities there, you realize that that book is telling us about who Christ is. Faith is given to you and the Bible becomes alive. You begin to want to know what it all means. And where do I fit in the context of redemptive history and what God Almighty is doing until Christ comes back again in my life and through my life. But one of the things I've observed is over the years that everything I've been reading about the Bible, especially when I was younger, I go, well, I guess that's true, is reality. And what is reality that I have seen? Let me tell you what reality is. There is real evil in the world. All you have to do is read Fox News or the Drudge Report. Pick up any newspaper and you'll just see that the world is filled with evil. We're reminded of it. Just this past week, the father who killed his two sons. Uh, I could go on and on. All the cheery things are going out there, out there in the world, but they always have been. They always will. That men are falling. That church members are falling that we are, are weak and that we are, uh, we are not the, the wonderful people that we should be. And so younger people often, and, and again, I encourage you younger people, not to be idealistic, but to believe the gospel, to know that there's hope. 
But how often younger people who are very zealous in ignorance, that by the time they get to be 30 or 40, all those, uh, those excitements, and we're going to be the generation that changes the world, turns into some form of cynicism or doubt or unbelief. But you see, not so for the seasoned veteran believer. He's neither cynical, and she is neither cynical nor naive, but always on guard. You're always ready. And the more you grow, the more you move toward Christ, the more you see the realities of pressing the kingdom of God, the more your desire to be like Jesus Christ, the more you want to be a body of Christ moving together and step foot against Satan, the more you realize that Satan is scheming. And if you don't understand that, then you're not pursuing holiness. You're just not. If there's no battle in your life and your whole life is about what you're going to do on Wednesday and who you're going to play tennis with and, and uh, who, who you're going to uh, go out and have coffee with or who you're going to play golf with so I can lump me in there as well. Which are all good things, right? All good things, but you're always doing it with your armor on is a believer. Always aware that you don't know what a day will bring because there's a fight. Jesus Christ believed that. I can give you passage after passage of Scripture. I begin to look and say, how did Jesus look at this, uh, this life? Well, you see, in Matthew chapter 10, perhaps one of the best passages that would suggest that, uh, he says this, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Why? Why is that so? Why is he saying that? Because he's being mean? No, but because his redemption comes and men and women repent of their sins and know the glory of what it means to be in Jesus Christ. And you're born again. You enter into your family that might be very religious or very irreligious and all of a sudden there's conflict because there's salt and light in the world. And Jesus says that. The reason that they crucified our Lord Jesus Christ was not because he was... A good man. But because he was different. He was not of this world. He was in the world. He was very real. The most human being that ever existed. The most human of human beings. Uh, But because he didn't talk behind people's backs. And because he was always encouraging other people. Because he didn't need us patting him on the back. Telling him what a great guy he was. Because he was really human. He stood out and made people nervous. Because we all have a tendency to manipulate and find the angle, find the edge, don't we? And I'll say this, if there's no conflict in your life and you don't have people that go, man, this guy, I don't know, this girl, let's not invite her because the light goes on. Wham! And then they're sought in the putrefaction of a world that's corrupting. They're sought and there's a sense that you just can't, you can't say those things around that person. So there's always going to be conflict. Now let me suggest this, and I feel like I do need to say this. I often talk to people who believe that there are many ways to God. And maybe you're that way. Maybe you've been attending Redeemer. I've had people attend, they go, you know, I like Redeemer, but the only thing about it that really bothers me is this narrowness. And this anti-intellectual idea that there aren't many ways to God, it's not egalitarian, it's so specific. Well, let me suggest for a moment right now, and I feel like I need to say this, 
that if you have any of those thoughts, the angels in heaven shudder. And let me tell you why they do. The book of Hebrews tells us that the angels marvel that the Son of God took upon Himself not an angelic nature to save fallen angels, but He took upon Himself a human nature to substitute for sinful people like me and you, to take upon Himself flesh and blood, and His blood to be shed as He substitutes for us so that we might have life everlasting. And I will tell you, any thought of any other way of being justified before God is demonic. It is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus believed that, and therefore Jesus was crucified on our behalf. And if there are many, many ways, and say, well, well, as long as I'm sincere and I'm kind of doing the best I can do, and maybe some of you think like that, if it were ever that way at all, then there is no point of the blood of God being shed upon the cross. Now, so there's a fight. The second thing to see is this. Uh, we must be armed uh, for this fight. Now, if you believe the gospel, and you say, absolutely, I believe these things. I believe that I have been purchased by the blood of Christ. Uh, I mean, you know, Alex is sharing with us that he's memorizing scripture. He, he's not telling y'all that to go, oh, you do that? Man, I feel bad about myself. That's not why he did that. You know why he did that? And why he does that is because he has the Spirit of God. He's been born of the Spirit, and he wants to know who God is. And how do we know God? We know God through the Word. And so let me say this right now, that this sermon, you can just shut it down right now if you're not a Christian, because the rest of it won't make sense. Because you see... He says to put on the whole armor of God. It is of absolutely no value to you unless you're in His army. Unless you're born of the Spirit of God. And the lover of King Jesus who shed His blood, then really the rest of this sermon, if it isn't already a bunch of noise to you, will be more noise. Because only the Spirit can lift your eyes that Satan has blinded to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. Only the Spirit can open your ears to hear His voice. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So what uh, is, does He say to us? Well, He says, uh, the, the, the battle's the Lord's. Be strong in the Lord. Christ has finished the work. But now here are the things that you must do so that you might be equipped in this world to glorify God. That many of you are not equipped at all. Many of you have been coming to Redeemer for quite some time, but you still don't read the Scriptures. You still don't pray. Now, I'm going to tell you, none of those things are going to make you like, oh, God says, oh, He read His Bible today. So I will bless them. Now, the blessing is in Christ who read the Bible on their behalf. And Alex, he memorized, the Philippians wasn't there yet, but he memorized the rest of the scriptures. He memorized all of it on whose behalf for us. So all our Bible reading is done in Jesus Christ. You're united to him. You have all your Bible reading done. How about that? Perfect love of God, perfect love of human beings, united to Jesus Christ. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. But now, what are we to do? 
we are to walk as he walked. And let me ask you this. Do you think he put on the whole armor of God? Yes, he did. You can't put on part of it. Imagine a Monty Python movie, right? And the guy puts on his boxer shorts and his T-shirt. And, uh, and, he, and, he, and he puts on a, a helmet and he runs out uh, it, right in the middle of the battle saying, uh, in the name of the Lord. That'd be, that would be kind of a f- Python moment, wouldn't it? And then, of course, they'd be cut out immediately. And so some of us, and this is, this is my observation, some of us have some of the armor on. We know the Bible. We know Reformed theology. But you don't really have the shield of faith. You don't live by faith. You've got that all figured out. You, you're, you make enough money, you're putting two or $300 a month in your savings account. You've got a retirement account. Uh, you go to church, uh, you read the Westminster Confession of Faith, and you know all these things. Uh, and so you have that aspect. You have the sword, but you don't, or the truth, but you don't necessarily have the shield of faith. You don't have the gift of faith. And therefore, you're taken away. Dead orthodoxy. Is there a lot of that among Presbyterians? Yes, sir. Because we know enough. That's why you have Presbyterian churches, they tend to see a lot of doctors and lawyers and, and uh, people that are professional, educated people, PhD people. Why? Because we give a lot of good answers. But you know what? Good answers doesn't mean that you have faith. And then on the other hand, there are people who have lots of faith right off the bat. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. And then they don't read the scriptures. They don't put the belt of truth upon them. And then all of a sudden, they're wiped away when the evil day comes because they did, had nothing to increase their faith. And so you have to put it all on. Now, are you doing that? You elders, you deacons, you women who are leaders in the church, are you putting on the whole armor of God? You dads, you fathers, do you understand how serious it is not to protect your family from the evil one? To put on the whole armor of God. But then what is that armor? Well, there's six of them. Six pieces of armor. Three of the pieces of armor are those that are owned all the time for the most part. The, the breastplate, uh, the belt of truth, and the shoes. And then the other three are what you pick up. The sword, uh, the helmet, and what's the other one? The sword, the helmet, and shit. What? Okay, I'm sorry. I'll get there. First off, what's already there? The belt of truth. What is the belt of truth? You might say, well, there's a distinction between the belt of truth and there's the, the, the sword of the Spirit. I mean, the, the Word of God, the sword, which is the Word of God. Let me tell you what the belt of truth is. It is absolutely somebody who is enamored with the truth itself. They know that the Word of God is truth. They know it's truth. And so we discover uh, in uh, John chapter 8, for instance, that Jesus says, uh, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let me tell you what, the, let me tell you what he's saying here. Is that the, to, to know the entire scripture, to know the Bible, is to know the truth. It is to be absolutely convinced of the truth. Now, two things about this belt. One is it, it, it helped the person pick up what was tripping him, and he would tuck it in. 
I uh, said so he'd be ready for battle if he didn't have his belt, uh, if he did not have the truth upon him. All he has is loose ends and he's tripping up all the time, not ready for battle. But the other aspect of the, of the battle, uh, of, the, of, the, of the belt being around him, the belt of truth, is that he, he's absolutely secure in what he believes is the truth. And let me ask you this. Do you have that belt on? Are you absolutely convinced of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that every day that you live, you live in light of that truth? That he is the living God. And Alex, as you said, and it's in chapter 5 on the confession of faith, on the providence of God, that God has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass to know that every detail of life is ordained of God. Do you walk in that? If not then when that evil day comes, you will be shattered. You will be confused. Second uh, piece of equipment here is the breastplate of righteousness. And what does that do? It covers the vital organs. What is the breastplate of righteousness uh, telling us? Uh, Well, it's basically saying that Christ Jesus is our righteousness. What he has done for us, the truth that he has completed the work on our behalf, we're united to him. And unless you have that assurance of salvation, that you are in Christ and he's completely, completed the work of Christ, and you hit those days when Satan begins to accuse you that you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, Unless you can turn and say, I am in Christ, I'm resting in his work and not my own, you cannot survive the battle. And then we go to the, the feet shod with the gospel. The gospel piece that, and, and let me say this about the, the, the feet shod with the gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are shoes that are shed that have cleats on them. The Roman soldiers had cleats and they could stand in that day in the day of evil. And when all the forces of the devil come against that person who is standing in the gospel of grace, the gospel of peace, they cannot be moved. Uh, Yesterday I saw my son play rugby. And there was a great big guy uh, and he had tennis shoes on. It was the second game that was played. And uh, he was actually Jack's uh, rugby coach. And they were playing with a bunch of older guys. And uh, what was interesting was the little bitty guys that had the cleats were knocking him everywhere. Uh, he was just slipping and sliding all over the grass, didn't matter how big he was, but uh, he, could not, he could not get a grip. He could not get a hold. And so what is the, our, our text telling us right here? It's telling us that when you're secure in the gospel that you stand firm when the day comes against us. Well, I'm sure you're looking at your clock. I'm looking at the clock there in the back. And I'm seeing that I'm going to finish this sermon in about two weeks. <laughs> I knew I couldn't do 800 pages in about 25 minutes. So, let me, but let me let me uh, let me just close here because we do have to come to the Lord's table. Um, I'm going to say this a couple of weeks, but let me tell you why you're able to put on the armor. And 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 there's the other ones we'll talk about, right? We, we've said enough to get you going here. Jesus Christ was armed on our behalf. And he did all that we're supposed to do. He knew the word of God. Did he live by faith? Yes, but you see in the very end, 
is he's asking, Lord, is there another way for these people to, to stand in my presence? Is there another way for them to be part of, part of your kingdom apart from me dying? The father says no. Three times he asks that question. And here's what he does on our behalf. As we, I want you to think about this as so we come to the Lord's table. Because you say, I don't think you ought to come up forward personally. If you don't have every intent, say, Lord, I've not been the faithful servant I should be. I've not been the good soldier I should be. But I'm yours. And I'm, I intend on walking out of here as a warrior for Jesus Christ. To travel the bloody seas. I would encourage, I, really, I would not do that according to what we read and say every Sunday morning. But let me tell you why. Because you see, he laid aside all that to be naked upon a cross. And all the forces of hell, everything that we read about our t- text, the powers and principalities of the air, they were unleashed on him. Why? Because he set those things in, in, aside and in weakness died so that we might have life. Isn't that amazing? So that we can know who Christ is. So we can have fellowship with the Father. So I I close by asking you this. Do you know this Lord Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in Him? Has He fought the battle for you? Are you resting in the work of Christ? If not, then I'd encourage you to come. And at the same time, if you're a believer and you say, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm not... I'm not putting on the armor as I should. Would you repent of that? And put on the whole armor of God. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we are so grateful for the gospel. And we pray now that as we come uh, this uh, morning to receive of the the Lord's benefits through the table. Lord, would you work in us in such a way that we we would have a vision for your kingdom. And that you would work in us so that you might work through us for the sake of God and his glory and for the benefit of those around us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.